A quick note before we get into this episode, as a new nurse, there's so much to learn, which is why the nurse residency program with HCA Healthcare is such a great opportunity. HCA Healthcare's nurse residency program sets up new grad nurses for success with benefits like clear career pathways, student loan assistance, tuition reimbursement, and more. With HCA Healthcare, you get hands-on clinical experience while developing your critical thinking skills. Plus, you'll have support from experienced nurses and fellow nurse residents. For all of you upcoming and recent grads, I highly recommend that you check out careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. Again, that's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare is an equal opportunity employer. Now on to the episode. Welcome to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. I have a question for you. Are you someone who ever experienced any sort of anxiety or nerves or apprehension during nursing school? If so, then this episode is for you. I'm Amanda. Welcome back to the Nurse Becoming podcast. In this episode, I'm talking with Sarah Michelle, who is the founder of Sarah Michelle NP Reviews, which is an NP board test prep company. She's been on the show before. We've talked all about test anxiety when it comes to taking your boards. And in this episode, we decided to chat about something a little bit different that we both were really excited to share our ideas about. And that topic is education reform and how educational needs needs of students, particularly nursing students with anxiety, whether it's classroom anxiety or anxiety in the clinical setting, how really situations could be improved. And Sarah shares an experience that she had in nursing school that almost prevented her from being able to graduate that ultimately was a factor of her anxiety that could have been handled a lot better. So that's what we're talking about in today's episode. Toward the end of the episode, we also touch a little bit about nurse practitioner education and should there be reform in NP education and are graduating NPs ready to practice right away or should there be some sort of support or transition period? So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Sarah Michelle. Hello, Sarah Michelle. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. So glad to be back and glad to have you on my show soon too. Yes, I know. I'm very excited. (laughs) Uh, We have a previous episode with you when we talked all about board exams. So I should have that number handy, but I don't. I'll put it in the show notes. But if you're listening and you want to know all about test prep and test anxiety, the episode 
that we did previously is wonderful. But today we're going to switch gears and we're going to talk a little bit more about kind of like our dreams for ideal nursing education, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to do topic. <laughs> we're going to dream big and if it were our um if it were our world and we were in control of everything, kind of like what would we love for nursing education and NP education and I think it's just fun to get creative about these things because who knows, maybe one of us will have the opportunity to have yeah. a hand in and how things change. So That's my before goal. we, I know, right? <laughs> before we dive into that, if you would introduce yourself briefly in your own words, kind of let us know who you are, what you do in case um, this is someone's first time learning about you. All right. Well, my name is Sarah Michelle and I like to call myself the test anxiety guru. And so when I was in nursing school, I had massive, massive, overwhelming test anxiety, so much so that I almost dropped out of nursing school. And so after I really figured out how to maneuver that, I just did it again when I did my master's in nursing education. And then I did it again when I got my family nurse practitioner degree. But even, you know, leading up to my exam for my family nurse practitioner, all that anxiety came creeping back again. And I really, I just couldn't find any resources or anything out there that really met what I needed as a student. And so I decided after I passed, I was just going to create my own and see what happened. And it's evolved way past my wildest dreams at this point. But we have helped over 25,000 nurse practitioners pass their board exams, which is super, super, super cool. That's amazing. That's yeah, like blows my number. mind every time I say it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so phenomenal. Yes. So you have a wonderful board exam preparation company. So certainly any NP students who are listening, who are getting ready to graduate, or or even if it's not anytime soon, like tuck it in the back of your head, bookmark yeah. the site, because <laughs> this is really... Um, Especially if you're feeling a little amped or anxious, I'm the perfect totally. place to go. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I think that what's really unique about your approach is that it's, it's really a hybrid of preparing folks for the actual questions and the content, but also really focusing on, you know, getting your mind ready to test, right? Yeah, well, you know, my thing that I always say is if you've graduated nurse practitioner school, you can pass the exam. And so really like in the reviews, well, any review you should do to just be reinforcing what you've already learned because you've learned all this stuff in school. But really what you want to focus on is building up your confidence and bringing down that anxiety because really that's what's going to hinder you on exam day. Because if you get in there and you don't know question one and you get flustered, all of a sudden, even the easy questions start to seem like gibberish. So anytime you've ever been in an exam, you've ever thought to yourself like, I'm not sure this is the right exam because sometimes we hear that from students even after their board exams when they find us later. As a big red flag, you've got some big anxiety going on. And so knowing how to handle that ahead of time really changes the game. Mm, that's really that's really helpful. Um, you mentioned, you know, when you were introducing yourself that you had a lot of test anxiety even back in nursing school. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, to set the context for this conversation that we're having today about RN and NP education, like, is that connected to your, your interest at all in hoping for some sort of education reform? Tell me more about that. Oh, absolutely. I think I decided even when I was in nursing school that one day, somehow, some way I wanted to impact nursing education and reform. And I thought, you know, at the time, you know, you think about the cliche, like progression through your career as a nurse. Obviously, I couldn't see this coming. Like this was, I was blindsided by this. <laughs> so I thought, oh, you know, like one day I'll be a dean, but I'll start, like, I want to be an educator. And so 
when I was in nursing school, I actually had a panic attack during a clinical rotation one time. And it was my hardest class today. The school I went to is like the notorious class. Like if you're going to fail class in nursing school, this is the class. And so it wasn't that I didn't know my content. Ironically, when I got into the first exam, it felt like gibberish. And so I failed the exam by one point. I never failed an exam in my life. So that was like a hard hit to my heart too. And so (laughs) a few weeks later, when I was in clinical, there was a medication skill that I just hadn't seen before. And so when my instructor asked me to do it and I was like, you know, I don't know, like, can we walk through it? I didn't really get the response that I needed and I didn't get walked through it. And so then that situation just continued to escalate and escalate. And then I had the panic attack. And so they really sat down with me and they were like, you know, are you cut out to be a nurse? Like, is this something that you even want to do? Um, and for me, being halfway through nursing school, that was uh, devastating because I, I was bet. like, I absolutely want to be a nurse. And so I really, I took a whole week off just trying to decide like, okay, like, am I meant to be here? Like, they don't think I'm meant to be here, but I feel like I'm meant to be here and kind of having like this internal melodrama. And so... I decided to stick it out, one, because I wanted to be a nurse, but two, I was paying for my own degree. And so I was already halfway through school. I was like, if I can finish this, like I want to finish this. And then like I can figure it out after that point. Because, you know, the thing with nursing is there's so many different opportunities available too, other than just the bedside. But what I ended up finding out was that it was really just my anxiety eating me up on the test. And then because I was getting eat up in the classroom, I was getting eat up in clinical rotations too. Like it was just a double whammy scenario. And so when I figured that class out is when I started to tutor other students. And I was like, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, of course, I understand like nursing is a high stakes career, you know, I hate when people are like, lives are on the line. But in some cases, lives are really on the line when you're working in this profession. But also, you know, I don't think we have to weed out students who are anxious either. And so I think there's really this big, like, fundamental flaw in nursing education because what it boils down to at the end of the day is first-time pass rates. And so students who are anxious or students who struggle a little bit more on exams, it's easier to weed them out than meet them with the resources they need. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I wasn't met with any of the resources I needed. And luckily, I just happened to push on through. But, you know, not every student's going to have that same story. And so I really always think of anxiety as my superpower. You know, it can be a hindrance in a lot of ways. But I don't think anxiety by any means makes you a bad nurse or a bad nurse practitioner. And in a lot of ways, it made me a really, really excellent oncology nurse because I was so on top of everything I was doing day to day. And so I hoped one day maybe I could impact this somehow, some way, and then it evolved into this test prep company. But I think moving forward in the future, obviously, I'll be still running my test prep company, but I really like to start working with schools. You know, how can we approach these students differently? Like there's a lot of different things that we could be doing. You know, it's Mental Health Awareness Month right now. So I'm deep in my feels about all the ways that we could be impacting students and all the students that we're missing, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think you you bring up a really great point and a really great example that a lot of people can probably relate to in in one of two ways, or maybe even both, you know, you brought up having anxiety about testing, you know, in, in the classroom, but also having anxiety or having uncomfortable situations in the clinical side of things. And, you know, I think that's really important that we talk about both, you know, me personally, I have not typically been someone to have classroom or testing 
anxiety. However, you know, I can remember back to my clinical rotations feeling really, really uncomfortable when I was in scenarios where it was kind of like see one, do one, yeah. um, you know, or like one person in the class did it. And so now everyone jumps in, you know, I'm definitely someone who likes to observe things over and over and kind of like walk them, walk through them in my head first and be really comfortable before I act, which is not always the environment that's, that's created in school. And it just, you know, brings up the question like, okay, are we teaching to one type of learner here? Or do we have this obligation to really teach to multiple learners because all types of learners can ultimately become good practitioners? Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a big gap just in the way, you know, the students are addressed all the way across the board. Because once I started working as an educator, I actually had my own experience with a student, ironically, who was in my fundamentals clinical at the time, and she had a panic attack. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, there's so many different ways you could handle this, right? But, you know, with my past experience, I have a resource here that I can offer her. But not every clinical instructor is going to have that resource or have that experience either. And so it's like, how do we kind of merge the two worlds of like, okay, people that don't deal with anxiety or mental health disorders who become educators, become instructors, et cetera. And how do we mesh them with students who do? And that's a little bit complicated. That's not going to be an easy fix by any means. Right. You got to meet every student where they're at. That's what I say all the time. We have to meet every single student where they're at. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a big theme in public education. Like, for example, it's, uh, you know, top of mind for me because I have two elementary school aged kids mm-hmm. and in public schools. And, you know, I hear that I go to the school board meetings and I observe, you know, what the the themes are. And there's such a big push to to make sure that all types of learners are being treated equally in the classroom and being accommodated. And it's just interesting how it really hasn't trickled up into higher no, education. It's not higher education at all. At all. Zero percent. <laughs> zero, zero, zero. Do you think that this is a scenario that like could naturally get better as there's turnover in faculty? You know, like I know that our our nursing faculty in general tend to be like an older group, like as as the older educators age out, do you think that, you know, the younger educators will have this innate awareness or does it have to be deeper than that? I think it's twofold. I do think there's an opportunity as older educators phase out that have been in this culture and this atmosphere for decades upon decades. I think they're just kind of so ingrained in it that they don't even necessarily see that it's a gap or it's a problem. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think there's a lot of opportunity when newer educators come in because, you know, where I taught, I'm I'm almost positive I was the youngest educator that they had. (laughs) And so I was just a totally different perspective. And I was a lot closer to school versus, you know, um, I think a couple of years ago when I was looking, it was like the average age of a person with their master's was in their 60s. So if you think about when they went to nursing school, how different nursing school was, I mean, that was back like hats, skirts, pantyhose. You right. know, <laughs> that's a little bit different feel and culture all the way around. So I think that will at least be a nice start, but I don't think it's going to be the all around fix either. I think number one, awareness is key. So first we've got to be aware this is actually a problem. And I don't think everyone even recognizes today that it is a problem. But number two, just the education piece behind it. And 
I know everyone hates like, I don't want to say hates, but nobody wants to like do their CE hours or do like the continuing education, professional development. But I think there's some really probably innovative ways that we could address this gap in continuing education that would make it, I don't want to say like exciting to instructors, but make it a little bit more intriguing to instructors instead of just like modules on a screen, which is what we're typically accustomed to, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm wondering like if you could go back in time and and really envision your ideal scenario, you know, you personally in these scenarios that went wrong for you, what would that look like? How would you have been accommodated? How would your learning style have been um, kind of embraced rather than it having been a hindrance? I think I just needed time. So like in that particular scenario in my clinical rotation where I had a panic attack, I was panicking because I didn't feel, well, there's two pieces. I didn't feel like I had time to find the answer. And then I felt like I was going to hurt someone because the crazy part now that like I can see looking back is what I was so strung out about was putting Zofran in normal saline. Now, obviously we all know we can put Zofran in normal saline (laughs) and that's not a big ordeal. But as a student, I was like, are these compatible? So for me, it was a safety thing. And because mm-hmm. it was a safety thing, that was what escalated and escalated and escalated. Because like the last thing I would ever want to do as a nurse is to hurt someone. Right. And so kind of like you were talking about earlier with your double checks, I was very much, <laughs> even when I like started as a nurse and I was doing like central line dressing changes, I had a checklist of all the things that I was going to bring in with me. So that way, make sure I didn't forget anything. The patient was going to have what they needed. I was prepared. And so I think I really just needed someone to take the time with me to be like, chill. I mean, not like chill out, like, oh, chill out, <laughs> but like, Let's take a moment to chill a little bit. Let's kind of de-escalate a little bit. Let's talk through it. And I think if I've been able to talk through it instead of being expected to just do it in the moment, it would have been a whole different scenario, which is what I did with that student of mine who was panicking because she was panicking, funny enough, about going to do an assessment. (laughs) She was like, I just like, oh, she got all fluster. I mean, like you could see like all over her body. She was beet red. And I was like, let's take a walk. Let's take some time. And let's figure out, okay, what are you going to do when you walk into the room? Like, what is that going to look like for you? You know, what are you going to say to the patient, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, you know, we can't plan out every scenario of everything that every patient is going to say to us or do, but we can have a really good general idea of what that's going to look like. And then we can kind of form our plan from there and we can do it together too. So I think there's a lot of solidarity and just being like, you're not alone in this. Like we can do this together and it's not a big deal. Yeah. And, and like everything that you're describing is also just great practice as, you know, a a nurse or provider, you know, taking, if you're not quite sure how to do something, taking the time to think through your checklist, like these are all great practices. And I think that sometimes we get kind of caught up in the hustle and bustle, um, that it's difficult for us to kind of parse out what is urgent versus what is important. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's good practice to teach students this way so that you're teaching students to check and balance and, and make sure that they aren't making mistakes and understand what they're doing. And, you know, it just seems sensical that this is the way that you would approach something and you wouldn't want someone who's like nervous and uncomfortable to do a, a procedure for the first time or to do something that, could go wrong. So it just seems to, it just seems to 
makes sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and you got to think too. So this is what I would always tell my students who are more anxious. You know, if you're on the more anxious side, if you like to take your time a little bit more, make your checklist, feel like you're really prepared before you walk into the room, X, Y, Z, there are plenty of opportunities in nursing that will facilitate that. And so like I knew coming out of school, emergency room was never going to be for me. Like <laughs> that was not my vibe. That was not my feel. And I even, I pushed myself to shadow there for an entire shift just to see. And I was like, oh no. I was like, I would be miserable every day I came up in here if I worked here. So working in oncology, you know, there will be fast paced days. There will be emergency events, no matter where you work. I mean, you could work in a doctor's office. There's going to be an emergency event somehow, somewhere, but you can find those other opportunities that give you that time and space that you need. And, you know, for me, I felt like working as a nurse, like, yeah, like the skills and stuff were fine and giving chemo and all that. But what I really enjoyed the most was talking to my patients. So I was like, you have to find what you love about nursing. That's why I always told my fundamental students, like whatever it is that, I mean, if you love the fast pace, okay, emergency rooms for you, right? Like if you want to see something a little bit more gory, see something different every day, awesome. But if you really like just talking to people, you know, I had a lot of geriatric patients in oncology, like that was definitely more my vibe. And so there was space for me, even though my school at the time didn't feel like there was going to be space for me. And, you know, and I understand from their point of view, too, like I failed a test and then they felt like I didn't know how to do a skill, which that's kind of its own discombobulation because, you know, the see one, do one thing doesn't work for, for me either. Um, so they, they felt like there was a safety concern. But at the end of the day, it was really just an anxiety thing. Yeah. We talk a lot about how to find jobs here on the podcast, but I finally have something for you NP students who need to find a preceptor. It's no secret that finding your own preceptors can really be a daunting and stressful task while you're in school. And that's why I'm hosting a live workshop to walk you through the exact process that I recommend to find preceptors while in NP school. You will leave this workshop with an action plan, scripts, and best of all, peace of mind about this phase of NP school. The workshop is coming up soon on July 14th. So head to theresumerx.com slash preceptor to learn more and save your seat. Again, that's theresumerx.com slash preceptor or click the link in the show notes where you're listening. Hope to see you there. I, um, I had a question uh, when I was doing my Instagram Q and a the other day, Mm -hmm. that was someone who was having a tremendous amount of anxiety in their job. So they were already graduated and working. And, you know, I think what's really important and something that you kind of touched on is to identify the variables at play so that you can figure out what the root cause is of the anxiety in the situation that you're in, right? So like in emergency medicine, it might be the anticipation of the unknown, or it might be the pace with, you know, that's it that's expected for things to happen. Or for some people, it could be the actual patients that they're dealing with. Like I absolutely hated any pediatric rotations, Um, not because I hate kids, but actually because I really love kids and I couldn't separate myself emotionally, you know? So if you're in this type of situation, either as a student or a nurse or a provider, like really reflecting on, okay, what is it that sparks that anxiety? And is it a variable that I can change, right? Can I go to a different field or a different unit or a different you know, um, type of environment to, to mitigate that. And what's 
tricky in school is that you don't have control over those variables, right? Like you have to go through all those rotations that are expected of you. And I can see how it can leave someone feeling a certain way. Like maybe I'm not cut up for this because the five rotations I did all had that same variable that made me anxious. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think I really experienced that myself as a student because, you know, it was in my med surge class when I was having all these, all this big struggle. And so, you know, when I got to end that semester and I passed, I still kind of had that like seed of doubt in my mind. Like, is this what I'm cut out to do? Because I haven't really found what I love quite yet. Like nothing's really like hit me in the spot where I'm like, ooh, this is it. But I was like, you know, I'm still going to continue to try because I had plenty of rotations left after that point. And the following summer, I was lucky enough to get an internship opportunity in oncology. And the nurse that I worked with there was wonderful with my anxiety. We were able to do all the different things that I needed to feel comfortable. And she let me kind of build up over the summer. And so it finally opened my eyes like, this is my opportunity. So I wish there was like a career test when it came to nursing. Like you can see like where your best fit would be because when you're in the thick of it, especially in nursing school, which is so high stakes, unfortunately, it can be really hard to see like, oh, there will be something that works for me. And I think a lot of students struggle with that even all the way through because I feel like a lot of your clinical rotations are dictated, one, by the patients that you're able to see. And clinicals are even clinicals are more difficult now than they've ever been with COVID and everything else and more restricted hours. I think that not only do the clinical rotations play a piece, like the location that you're able to get into, but also the instructors play a piece too and all the things that you're able to have access to. And so, you know, you might not get all those really great experience. Like I put in one IV by the time I was done with nursing school. Because in oncology, they usually have central lines. And so when I did that big summer rotation, there were no IVs. And then the one IV I did do, I went down to pre-op as a student with another student. And the nurse was like, here's the supplies. Here you go. And I was like, oh, like I did this on like a dummy one time. Like, (laughs) I'm not sure I'm ready for this. But luckily, uh, the other student who went with me, he was in the ER tech. So he was like, I got you. Like, we're going to figure this out. So we did it together. We tag team. But yeah, so... It really, there's a lot of variables that come into play when you're in school that you just have no control over whatsoever. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm curious your thoughts. You know, you and I are both nurses and nurse practitioners. And so we've gone through both of those environments. So, you know, have you observed any differences, you know, in terms of education and this topic that that we're discussing in RN school versus NP school? I think the root of the problem is in nursing school. I didn't feel nearly as much in nurse practitioner school that I was consistently being weeded out. Like I felt like I had true support there. Now, in nursing school, I feel like everything's a little bit more fast paced. Not to say that nurse practitioner school isn't, but you already have that really core foundation, A, by finishing up nursing school and having the educational piece, but B, also your real life experience from working as a nurse typically when you're in nurse practitioner school. So I think there's a couple of factors at play that kind of segue into it being a little less high stakes. And I think it's pretty rigorous to get into most nurse practitioner schools too, because so that plays a piece. And I also got, you have to think about just the context of who is going into nursing school too. I mean, I was 17 years old when I applied for nursing school. So (laughs) that's a totally different person than the person who applied for nurse practitioner school. Right. So in nurse practitioner school, I went to a really, really, really wonderful nurse practitioner school. And I felt like 
anything that I could have possibly needed, even in an online environment, like I could have gotten from them. And I've even gotten from them after I've graduated. I've made some really great connections with some mentors there too. But I didn't feel like I had really any mentors when I left my nursing program. Like I was like ready to be done. I was like wiping my hands because I'm like, I never want to look at this building again. Like I never want to come back. And I hate that it has to be that way for so many students, but they get to the end of nursing school and they're like, oh, like, I'm so glad to be done instead of like, oh, I'm like so excited about all I've learned along the way. Now I get to actually be a nurse too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I definitely, I definitely can relate to that a little bit. You know, I, I actually went to a combined accelerated program. And while I did work as a nurse during the NP portion, even in the same institution, I could kind of feel the difference in the kind of educational setup and the expectations. And by the time, you know, I was in the NP portion, it was just a different, it's just a different, a different vibe, you know, like the maturity level was different. The kind of emotional intelligence involved in learning the role was different. It was so much less about like, here's how you do this particular skill. And here's this like nitty gritty detail and much more of like, teaching you how to think a certain way and to utilize your resources. And uh, yeah, it definitely was a different level of, uh, of discomfort. And certainly in the clinical rotations, at least for me, you know, it was mostly learning how to work alongside a preceptor yeah. and, and really learn like, okay, what did they expect from me? You know, how was the flow of the relationship and the conversation going to go and, and getting more confident with a thought process as opposed to, you know, getting more confident with a, a physical skill or, or checking off particular boxes. Uh, so I definitely, I definitely hear you there. Um, I think there's a lot more flexibility in nurse practitioner school. Too. Mm-hmm. You know, at least for most students out there, you're setting up your own clinical rotations. And so my first rotation was kind of a bust, but that's a conversation for another day. Mm-hmm. But after that, I was able to connect with someone ironically that my mom knew because I was like, I can't find a spot to go. And she was like, she coached speech and drama students. She's like, you can go with one of these parents. She's a nurse practitioner. And me and her really hit it off. So I ended up doing a couple of clinical rotations with her. And so being able to have that flexibility, because, you know, when I was struggling with my clinical instructor, there was no flexibility. Like I wasn't getting anybody else. And so I think that plays a role. And I also think just the size of the class plays a role too. You know, usually nurse practitioner class sizes are a lot smaller than what you're going to see for nursing schools because graduate education, I won't say it's not as popular, but it takes you a little bit longer to get to. And they usually accept a little bit less. And so you feel like less of a number, or at least I did, even in online education. Because, you know, my class size was was like 35, 40 students. And so it was really nice because I was able to get to know people in my class, even online. And I felt like all of my instructors, like, actually knew who I was, too. And I didn't always feel that way in my nursing program. Mm. It sounds like you and I both had the benefit of of going to, you know, we both feel positively and and reflect fondly on our NP education. Um, I went to brick and mortar, you went to online school. Um, Both of these settings can, can be wonderful programs. But I wanted to touch on like, do you think and this is a little bit of a deviation from what we've been talking about. You may or may not have heard, you know, this chatter that NP education as a whole needs reform and that there are like big problems with it. And I was wondering your your thoughts on that. I don't think the problem is NP education because I've received a stellar education so much so I was able to create an entire test prep company. So <laughs> I don't think education is the problem. 
I think part of the problem are the clinical rotations because, like I said, you get to pick who you go with. And so that really kind of determines your experience a little bit. And I think the other much, much, much bigger piece is really kind of the lack of residency programs and follow-up and support for nurse practitioners. Mm -hmm. So when I was a brand new nurse, I was in a residency program for over a year. And so I was being consistently followed up with all the time, not only with the residency program, but with my managers. And I had like a preceptor who followed me for that first year. So I felt like I was contained in a way, like everybody was checking in all the time. When you become a nurse practitioner, that is not the case whatsoever. There are a few residency programs out there, but they tend to stray more towards the acute care tracks instead of primary care. And so, for example, the first job that I was offered was in a really rural clinic where there were going to be some days where I was the only provider on, like it was just going to be me. And so I think that's a really big shift. If you think about too, when you're working as a registered nurse, you're used to working as part of a team all the time. And so you're used to that support and having that second person to kind of lean on. And so I think that gap becomes when we have these isolated providers. And then of course, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with being an isolated provider. And so I think the shift on the nurse practitioner side really needs to be that more consistent follow-up and I don't have a perfect way of how to execute this. I think a lot about it, though, because I have that new nurse practitioner Facebook community. It's like free for anyone to join that's a nurse practitioner. And a lot of it in there is just sheer anxiety because they're like, I am the solo provider or, you know, there's only one other provider in the clinic. So like when they go out for lunch, it's just me, like those sorts of things. And so I don't know how to rally all these people together into a program, but I think that would at least be a really nice start. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely, I hear you. And, you know, when I was getting ready to graduate, so, you know, I've been graduated uh, 10, 11 years now and I remember hearing, you know, this language in school and also at, you know, I went to in-person conferences. It was like NPs are ready to practice from day one. Like the the goal of NP education is to prepare you to immediately enter practice as a fully competent provider. And that is still kind of the philosophy that a lot of NPs and more seasoned NPs and NP educators embrace. And, you know, I wanted to believe that too. And and to some extent, like, uh, I didn't go through a residency or fellowship program. They didn't really exist when, when I graduated. But I could not have been a solo provider from day one. Like I needed to have a transition period. I needed to lean on the other providers in my clinic. And, you know, I have yet to see a large number of NPs who are just confident and ready and know everything and fully competent from day one. Like, can you figure it out? Sure. But do you need that support and mentorship and guidance at least for six, nine, 12 months? Absolutely. And so that's really where I struggle with it because, you know, the the education programs are saying, you know, okay, you don't you don't need anything after NP school. You can just jump right into practice. And there's kind of that expectation as well. But in reality, at least, you know, from what I'm seeing among my community and, you know, my NPs in my NP society mentorship program, like it's you just need that little bit extra. So it's like, okay, 
where where is the problem? Should NP programs prepare you better? I'm not sure how they could. Like, there's too many variables that I think, you know, I don't even think like a minimally supervised clinical rotation could really prepare you. You have to actually be be doing it and and be you know, on the job and kind of in residency, quote unquote, uh, which is how our physicians learn. And I, I think that they, they kind of are doing it right. <laughs> yeah. I feel like so I think we're on the same page. have like a much better community aspect than we do as nurse practitioners before. Mm. And I don't know if a part of that is just because nurse practitioners are still kind of new in a way. I mean, physicians have been around for a long time at this point. So we're still we're still figuring things out, I think, for our profession, too. But this is exactly why physicians have those residency programs. And so I think the only part where it becomes complicated is just because with nurse practitioners, I feel like it's so much more diverse than just working in the hospital. And so yeah. how to get all these people together. And so I think it's going to have to start from the state level. Like they're going to have to mandate, like you have, you know, X number of hours that you need to complete, whether that be continuing education or joining a residency program ran through your state or whatever that looks like. Because what I find over and over again, like these nurse practitioners that don't have that level of support, they just leave. Because oh, absolutely, yeah, they go back to working yeah. at our ends. Well, it's so much more comfortable to be a nurse. Like mm, you've are, you're yes. in the groove, you've got it. A lot of times, you've worked your way up the chain. You're exactly. a charge nurse now. Like you've got you've got the bob down, and so so much easier to go back to your comfort zone than it is to try to continue to figure it out and figure it out and figure it out because that's really stressful. And I even I made a little shift. I wanted to get better teaching experience. So I decided in the middle of working oncology, I was going to go work in the PACU instead. So it was like a little bit faster pace, but I'm still going to see a lot of the same things come in and out. Like people are just going to wake up from surgery and, you know, et cetera. I didn't realize at the time that PACU was where all the floor crashes went when the ER was full. So it was a little <laughs> bit different vibe. And so, I mean, I lasted there probably less than a year. And I was like, I just want to go back to my comfort zone. Like, it's so much easier for me to just do oncology because, A, I love it. B, I miss my patients. And C, I'm so uncomfortable here. It makes me dread coming to work. And so yeah. I think we're going to see even more issues in the future with retention rates, which retention rates for nurse practitioners are already kind of uh, – they're not ideal to say the least. Yeah. A lot of people leave in the first year and totally. they go back to being a nurse. So I don't have the perfect answer or the perfect solution, but I at least think that's the start. Yes. No, I think that's a great place to start. And yeah, it would be it'd be wonderful if we could solve all these problems in yes. you know uh, a 40 One podcast, podcast episode. episode. <laughs> but I'm not sure it's gonna happen. Um, but I think these conversations are are important to have. And certainly I'd love to hear from anyone listening if you want to tag Sarah, Michelle, and I on Instagram. Let us know that you're listening. Contribute to the conversation. I think it's all good topics to discuss, you know, whether we're talking about reform in undergrad nursing education versus reform in NP to practice. These are all things that there's room for improvement, right? Yes. I'm open to all the ideas. That's like <laughs> yes. my next goal. It's like once I get, you know, my test prep company like settled out and kind of running more so without me every day, education reform is the very next goal. Love it. I love it. Uh, well, share with the good listeners where people can connect with you and what website they should bookmark if they are in the market for test prep sometime soon. Well, my favorite place for people to connect with me is Instagram. So I'm just at Sarah Michelle MP. 
But probably my second favorite place is going to be our Facebook community. It's Sarah Michelle's FMP slash AGMP study group. And we have 21,000 people in there that are asking questions and getting support and nurturing all day long, not only about the content, but also for the anxiety piece too. And then of course, if you want to check out my board review courses, that is MP reviews with an S.com. So MP reviews and Between the three of those, you can definitely get into contact with me. Awesome. Well, I'm going to link all those in the show notes for anyone who's uh, listening and driving or if you can't can't, uh, search right now. Thank you, Sarah. This has been a wonderful, fun conversation. Thank you. I'm glad to talk about something different. Yeah, I know. It's it's fun. We'll we'll do it again with an even different topic (laughs) next time. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.